Welcome to the Ministry Marks Podcast. My name is Thomas Majors, and I'm joined by David Haynes. And we also have a special guest with us today who is uh, Daniel Threadgill. Daniel is the coach at Kasu High School. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, Thomas. I've got I've got two issues right now with the way you've just introduced Coach Threadgill. Number one, you didn't say the Kossuth High School. And number two, you did mm-hmm. not put your hand over your heart whenever you said the Kossuth High School. So let's try that again oh. there, bud. And I would also say that Daniel <laughs> that Daniel was a coach at the Nettleton High School, and I did put my hand over my heart then. Since that's How did my I know hometown. he was going to go there with that? <laughs> well, we are glad to have Daniel with us today, and Daniel is a member at Holly Baptist Church, and we have we've discussed this a few times before. A minister and a coach experience a lot of the same issues in their responsibilities. There have to be a certain drive to that person to get their things done. They have to know something about interpersonal relationship skills. The way I interact with my people can be very similar to the way a coach interacts with parents and supporters and boosters to the program. We've talked about that before, and I think even David has someone in his church who he's talked to about that before. Yeah, Thomas, I think what you said is spot on. There's a coach that we have. His name is uh, Lynn Moore. He's now the athletic director for Ritawama County, and he has often told me that the closest thing to preaching is coaching, and the closest thing to coaching is preaching. And he even said that whenever he was a younger man, he struggled between the call to preach and the call to coach. And then through prayer and through the hand of the Lord, he decided that his calling was to be a coach. So I've always heard there are many similarities, and I'm excited about today's podcast to be able to talk with a with a state championship winning coach and to see what those similarities are. Daniel, before we get to too far into this topic, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself, maybe about your family and where you're from? Uh, Yeah, sure. Um, I'm married to Anna Carter Threadgill from Ripley. So uh, we've been married a while now, going on 15 years. We've got three lovely children, uh, Skylar and is eighth grader, Easton's in sixth grade and little fireball Blakely, she's pre-K. So (laughs) um, I'm from I'm originally from Amory, went to high school at Hatley, uh, down the road from Nettleton. The other Tigers. The, the other Tigers. <laughs> yeah. In the, we don't share the same county, though. I think y'all split the Lee and Monroe. So yeah, we, we don't count y'all as outsiders. We're our own school That's district. Right. The Nettleton That's High right. School. <laughs> school district. So we've, uh, I've, I've been, you know, in church. And, and really doing this is good. Um, since I can remember, my mom's taught Sunday school for as long as, I've been alive, it seems like, and my dad has been a a deacon for the same amount of time in, in a few different churches. So that perspective and watching that growing up and dealing with some issues, you know, you you see a lot of similarities between what what I saw growing up and, and what I what I do and what I see in coaching. So why don't you tell us about your coaching experience? I uh, started uh doing some Volunteer stuff at Hatley where I was, I was still at Mississippi State, um, helped out there and then finished at Mississippi State and got, got on at Nettleton. And I was there for, for three years when we, uh, was successful in baseball there, won a uh, state title in 07. 
And then um, I was able to get land my first head coaching job at Casu. So we moved up here. I was fortunate to have four good years up here where we played for state. In 2012, come up short, went back 2013 and won it, and uh, moved all the way to the coast to Van Cleve, stayed there four years. And had an opportunity to come back to Kasuf where we loved it. We've always loved it. It's where we really wanted our kids to be raised. So we, I had an opportunity to come back to Kasuf. Couldn't pass it up. So I'm back. They're starting my third year back. Daniel, as we begin this discussion, won't you just tell us about your job? And, and I know you talk to young coaches mm -hmm. and you have like an outline that you go by with young coaches. And so why don't you just tell us about your responsibilities as a coach and David and I will cue in every once in a while to talk about the similarities. Yeah, I always go and uh, I talk to young coaches who are in college or who, you know, who will contact me who's young in it and they'll ask different things and we talk about this and the job part is, is to me the, is the easiest thing they'll do and that's the field maintenance and the practice schedules and game plans and your and and trying to win games and knowing the game just knowing baseball um is is to me the easy part um and and that's that's going that's going to be okay you know if they're if they're willing to put time in and they work uh, a lot like pastors with your sermons that you that you do through the week and you study for to me that's the i mean it's not it's not easy Right, but you're you're called to do that. That's what we're called. What I'm called to do is coach baseball, and that comes natural for us. That's that's the easy part. It's other things after the job that it gets a little bit more difficult. Yeah, I would say for us, you know, in the similarities between ministering, preaching is a joy. I mean, I mean, and like being there coaching the game and winning oh, games. Yeah. That's I mean, it's always fun. Yeah, yeah. and it's then, the behind the scenes stuff that's a little bit more difficult. So in the similarities, even with what you've said so far with just the job, putting together practices and that's very similar to what we do in in preparing for preaching. Yeah, you you're getting um you're getting basically everything ready from a paperwork standpoint, like lineups done and getting sound systems ready. You're 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 doing all that leading up to all for one night on a Tuesday or a Friday night, just like y'all are doing it all for a Sunday, you know, preparation for. And that, to me, that's a that's a big similarity, but I also think that's one of the easiest things you'll do, you know, because yeah. you've got control of that. In this business and coaching, there's so many things you don't have control of. Coach, and let me ask easiest. you this. I bet, like in my life and Thomas's life, like I know on a Monday what I'm to be doing to prepare for Sunday. I know on a Tuesday what I'm to be doing. And it almost, through down through the years, it has almost become second nature. Okay, it's Monday morning. Mm -hmm. I know what's up on uh, what's up to bat. When you guys have a game going on, I, I guess it's just kind of become second nature. We've got a game. I've got to do this, got to do that, got to make sure everything's covered. And you find yourself just, just doing what is needed for, right. for the game. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. And through the year, when I first started, I would make notes of it. And through the years, you get so used to it, you don't have to have the notes anymore. And then sometimes you may forget something. You're like, oh, I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> how did I forget you this? Know, how did yeah. I forget the sound yeah. system to turn the sound system on or raise the flag in the outfield? You know, yeah. I got somebody go in there and get the flag and put it on the pole for the game. Yeah. But you do it, you do it for years. It becomes second it, nature. It does. And, you know, and I think an interesting part of a of a coach and a minister is when the time comes for retirement, you find yourself 
naked. What am I going to do? I don't, I don't have a Sunday to prepare for. And you see that in those older preachers. And I bet you a nickel, whenever Nick Saban retires from mm. the university of Alabama at Joker is going to go straight to a nut house because yep. he's not going to have everything to worry about it's, like it's, he always does. Yeah, you're right. One of the interesting things that, that I've heard you talk about before, and even you've said here on the podcast is field maintenance. Mm -hmm. I never expected the coach to do part of the field maintenance. So, so what are like some of your requirements in field maintenance? Let's just say it at Kossuth, if you don't mind giving a few. It starts all year long, really, in the summertime. When it gets warmer, we'll start spraying 2,4-D on the grass, trying to knock out some of that broadleaf stuff, and then get, let that Bermuda come up in the summer and get a good thick stand of Bermuda, and then spray some MSMA on it, and that'll knock it down and get some of the other junk grass out. And you maintain that, and then you you mow, and then you mow continually through the fall. And then somewhere around World Series time, late September, October, you get your ryegrass. And you spray, you know, and you start spreading your ryegrass out. And then the ryegrass is coming up like right now. And then you get things ready for field maintenance. You, you get the mound ready. You got to have clay to go in on the mound. You got to have clay to go in some the dirt, keeping grass out of the dirt areas. And then you edge it. You know, I always spray a line, all my edges, and then go back with an edger and cut those edges out and make it real nice and clean and for, for the season, you know, getting ready for the season. There's a lot. And then you, you're still mowing, you're still mowing the ryegrass, you know, even during the season. So, you know, you still, you just got to keep the mowing up and. See, that's a lot of things that most people probably wouldn't even know. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that we as pastors do that a lot of people don't know. The time of study that it takes to prepare a sermon. Absolutely. The, the time it just takes to travel to the hospital, especially if you got someone in, let's just say Memphis traveling. Uh, there's just a lot of small things that, you know, until you actually are in are in that, you really don't understand what That's all it, it takes. You didn't know it was going to be you doing it, but somebody has to do it. Yeah, it's you got to learn, how, you know, kind of sometimes on the fly how to do it. That's true. Yeah. All right. So what about the context? Yeah, this is getting into the this is getting to the heart and soul of of everything else that has come with coaching and probably pastoring, too. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the details of geography and culture and demographics and, and that sort of thing? Well, when young coaches go to take a job, they're going to go somewhere, you know, and you're going to move. And that's and family and emotional stress is listed down here, too. And that's and they kind of overlap each other. But you got to know where you're going and you got to know what kind of people that you're around. What is the, the culture of the school or the community where you're that you live in? Um, what's the demographics where you live in? And you don't want to, you want to be you, but you've got to understand those things to, to fit in where you're not, where people are not standoffish of you. Because if you come in and you're kind of different, they're going to look at you different and, and they may not warm up to you as much, not be so prone to follow your lead. And that's what you want. You want, when you go to a school and you're wanting to coach, you want people to follow right. and, and get on board with what. Right. You're the head coach now, so you you want to implement some things. And to do that, you need to have people's trust. So to me, it's important to know your geography of where you're at and try to form to that a little best you can. Leadership principle of buy-in. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah, I right. think it's what I've heard it called before is like buy-in. For us, we go to a church. We want to have people 
buy in mm-hmm. to our leadership. We want people to buy in to our goals, to our vision, because exactly. you're not a leader unless people are following. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's right. true. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, and, that, and that's the thing. You, you, you're not necessarily wanting people to follow you, but I think being the leader is, is you getting people to join you more so than, than, yeah, than follow your good. lead, but just really join so, me in what we're trying to do, you know, and, and jump on board. So coach, what, what is that time frame? Whenever you go to a new school, you mentioned leaving Kossuth, going down to Van Cleve, now you're back mm-hmm. at Kossuth. I'm assuming your second stint at Kossuth, you had more rapport oh, almost yeah. immediately. Oh, yeah. But when you first no went to Van Cleve, how long was it before you really meshed with those? And you and you may have never meshed as well with them as you did the Kossuth Aggies with your mm-hmm. wife being from Ripley yeah. and you being from close to there. But was there a time frame where you said, you know, at the 12-month period, I want to be at this point at 18 months, I want to kind of walk us through that yeah there was to me there's about a year and a half to two year period where you want to get your feet wet and you kind of slow play everything and figure things out where you're at i don't go in there immediately to a new school and go i'm going to do it this way and it's going to be my way or the highway i don't think you can do that and get credibility and have people join you if you're if you're that way that two-year process also is learning parents or maybe your congregation yeah. I guess. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and knowing who's, I hate to say this, but you gotta, you gotta figure out who you can trust and who you can't. Yeah. And not saying you can't trust anybody, but, but they are in coaching. I'm just speaking from the coaching yeah. point of it. You know, you, you learn that, you learn that aspect of it. Uh, I don't think that I ever really meshed at Van Cleef. The culture just was not like Kossuth or Hatley. Or in Nettleton, you know where you're from, and it was just different that way. I don't know if I ever really meshed. We had good years, though. You know, we won in playoffs, but I don't, I don't, I don't think we ever reached our full potential when I was there. I think I could agree with that as well because Van Cleve's in the south; it's it's on the coast. But even up here, I would say we have uh, micro cultures. I bet you would say that there's probably a difference between the culture of Lee Monroe County oh, compared yeah. to Alcorn County. Sure. And they, I was at a church that, well, I, I stayed there 23 months. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, because of some decisions I made, I didn't have the buy in. And it was just a different culture than what I was used to from, as, as speaking of church culture like First Baptist Nettleton or even Tiplersville and to even here at Holly. So it was just different. And yeah. I, th- I think that's okay too, it because is, yeah. there's, there's nothing wrong when, when I left Van Cleve the next year, my assistant coach took over and he was younger and kind of fit, fit their mold and mentality. And they won state. I, I, I think if I would have stayed, we wouldn't have. Oh, I see. I, so you your know, departure I don't, I think my, de- I do, I think my departure, and I've got to humble myself and to realize that that was, I was not the man for that job. And I realize that now, but it's okay. I can live with that because everybody fits a mold somewhere. And yeah. that's why I think demographics, culture, and where you're going is a, is a big key importance of of that, of coaching. Yeah. That's the reason God designed us different, isn't it? It is. And, and, it, helped, and it doesn't mean that I'm no better or, or any worse. I mean, it just means that I, I go about things different. It, Absolutely. What works for for me at Casu may not work for other people. Yeah, that would come in. You, I, I don't think it would be probably wise to get a guy from 
New York City to come down and coach Kasu baseball. Absolutely. And it you is know. so similar in, in ministry. I think Mississippi ministers are different than guys from other states. North Mississippi, South Mississippi is going to be a little bit different. And I definitely think think that's the case. And I've heard I've heard pastors mention that. Why did you resign? Why did you leave that church? Well, we had done all we could do there. And then after that, after that pastor left, you see a lot of, a lot of growth. And, and really you could say, well, that guy's ministry was, was designed to set that church up for what was coming next with their next pastor. And God blesses, you know, I planted Apollos watered, the Lord gave the increase. Absolutely. And we need to be okay with that. Yeah. As coaches and pastors. Yeah, I agree. Well, tell us about the emotional side. Hmm of uh coaching we could camp out here for two days <laughs> i didn't think coaches were supposed to be emotional yeah. like pastors um, we're supposed to be even keel all the time <laughs> yeah you know the emotional stress you know we you mentioned how long somebody mentioned was it you asked me how long it took yeah that two-year period you figure you figure some people out you know and you've got to understand there's going to be clicks in the on the coaching side of it i don't know how that works in ministry as a pastor but there's clicks. There, yeah. There's um, <laughs> there's groups and um there's people who's not gonna agree with you no matter what. There's people who's gonna be on your side no matter what. You can't please everybody. It's just it's just hard when you when we make decisions, when I make decisions, I'm making decisions on a two part level, I'm making decisions on a two part level with the twenty five guys that's in my locker room. And then there's some decisions I make that affects hundreds of people. They're their moms and dads their grandparents, what's going to go on. And a hundred people's lives may be affected by me changing something or doing something or moving something here or there. So, so internally I think about those things, what's best for the program, not necessarily the team, but what's not best the individual, not the individual, but the program. And I've got to make decisions on that. And you're not going to keep everybody happy. And there's going to be people that are upset and you have to deal with those things. There have been, there's parents out there and there have been parents out there that has totally disagreed with me on a lot of stuff, but I was still able to work with them with no problem because they had a buy-in Right, we talked about. Yeah. There's, there's the people who don't have a buy-in who disagree with you. It doesn't matter what you do. They're not buying in. (laughs) They're not going to jump on board. They'll talk about you. They'll plaster stuff on Facebook. Social media, can't believe he did this. He's got to go. We need this. And you got to deal with that. Not only I got to deal with it, my wife sees it. Okay. Yeah. And when it affects them is when it gets bad. And and we've had to deal with that. You know, we've lost some big games before and you get criticized over that. That's okay. That's something that I signed up for. You got to be willing to deal with bad times and deal with the good times if you're going to do it and have thick skin. But you also got to be humble about it and deal with them in the right way and try to deal with them in a Christian way. I can get probably away with dealing with some parents probably better than y'all can if it's a congregation because I look at them and when I get fed up and go, that's enough, I'm done talking to you. <laughs> and, and I'm just done, you know, and I'm done. And I can get away with that because I don't have to see them all the time, you know, or – and and I'm and I can look at them and say you're wrong. We're going to do it this way, and that's it. I'm not hearing anything else about it. You can like it or not. You can move him, go to another school, whatever. Um, I know y'all can't do that, oh, well, and you probably we can. Well, you can. <laughs> we shouldn't. We can. Probably not wise. 
what you can. And and I don't do that. You know, that's probably hardly, rare for you. I, I imagine I hardly ever would do say or do that. I think it a lot, but um, <laughs> but you you try to approach everything with a Christian attitude. And and what what was the right thing to do and say in this situation? But there are there are times where some things need to be said. I think. And you can do it in a loving way. You know, you don't need to do it in a harsh way. And I've gotten better at that over the years. But sometimes things need to be said. And and that's part of emotional stress because you deal with it because it weighs on me when I upset somebody. If I upset a parent, a player, I'll go home and think about it because it's not fun. You know, tryouts are the worst day for me because I got to cut somebody who loves a game of baseball. Oh, yeah. And, and that's not that's not fun for me. You know, and they get upset because I cut a kid and everything. I'm like, you don't understand how, you know, I, I'll i have tryouts and I'll take a week to think, you know, to marinate on the process of who's on the team and who's not and make sure I got it right. So I don't have tryouts and post it the next day. You know, I allow myself time to think, pray over yeah. things. and But there still be some people get so mad. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, because it's tough. It's tough for me to do that. But the moving part of the emotional stress. I was just going to say, I think we can relate to the clicks. Absolutely. <laughs> it's usually centered around Sunday school classes. If a Sunday school class, they, they're tight knit. They're together. Some of them been together for 50, 60 years. And, and when their vision of the church differs from the church's vision, there can be conflict in that. Mm-hmm. And and your idea of of making a decision for the good of the team mm-hmm. is very similar to what we do with making decisions for the church. You know, we want to make decisions that benefit the church and not necessarily benefit one particular group or one particular person, but but we're, tr- we're trying to do what's best in the health mm-hmm. of the church. Yeah. And another similarity that I thought of, I never noticed between coaching and pastoring is a previous coach may have seen something in this person and had gotten that person ready for, you're going to do great things and you're, and you come mm-hmm. in and just to be honest, you don't see it. You don't see it. And you hate to burst that student's bubble, but mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. And and that has got to be so hard. I think there are similarities in that between pastors. Someone may have been given a certain responsibility under a previous pastor, but that person and the current pastor is it, just not there. That relationship is not there. They didn't, they didn't gel together, mm-hmm. but that pastor sees super potential in somebody else and begins mm-hmm. to give that next person, you know, a starting position in the lineup. It starts to give that next person more responsibility. And then this person, oh, they're hurt. Yeah. They're hurt. Right. But it, it's just a difference in the coaching and a difference in the ministry philosophy is what you're is looking what for. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. see that's that's happened to me before. I see more of kids not getting an opportunity and and just sit on the bench and I'm like, there's you, something you, there. You've got an arm. Yeah. You know, we're going to make you, and, and I'm honest with them, you're not going to play, but you're going to be a pitcher, and you're going to be a pitcher only. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to get you out here every day, and we're going to long toss, and you're going to build your arm angle of where you want because you can throw it a mile. 
And then what we're doing, we're going, we're, you're going to throw flat ground every day. And you're going to work on pitching every day. Just pitch it. And that's what we're going to concentrate with you. And then you see their eyes light up. Like, okay, he's honest with me. I'm not going to play or hit because I can't. Yeah. But I've got, <laughs> I've got a piece. I've, I've got a, I hold a piece on this team. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a place for me here. Yeah. Now, yeah. And it team is a puzzle. It and, just takes everybody coming together. And you bring that kid up, it raises other mentalities. And, other, and it's positive attitude. And you're trying to get that positive attitude. And one of the things with the cliques was what I see in baseball is if, if there's a parent or a group, if, if, if there's really like a parent or so who don't like what I'm doing, they'll go around and try to fish and get other people on board to oh, not like me yeah. also. Misery loves company. No, that's right. <laughs> Misery loves and, – and they'll fish. And, and, I had a, and I had some do that. But what I found out was the people that were in my corner who understood what I was trying to do, who believed in me, who trusted me, when they come talk to them, they squashed it. They're like, you, you can go somewhere else with that. And I think that's similar to how church members ought to be behind pastors. Amen. You know, if you may not, I may not agree with Brother Thomas, and I don't a lot of times. No, <gasps> no, I wasn't. no, I, I, you know, but I may not agree with things or whatever, and we may see things differently. But I'm not going to undercut him mm -hmm. because I just don't believe in that. Yeah, he's and, a pastor. And, and that's, that's right. He's our leader. He's the pastor. God's chosen him to be here for a reason, so I'm not going to interfere with that. You know, if I have something with him, I'll just talk to him about it. But don't come to me and try to get me on board to do something that may undermine him or undercut him because I'm not listening to it. And that's what of my dad's being a deacon. I've learned over the years. Before we move on, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a booster meeting or a parent coach meeting where there were they were people there you've never seen before? <laughs> no, but I've been a part of a vote on a Sunday night where we had 300 people one time. Uh, uh, whether or not we was going to get rid of our pastor or not, and they showed up out of the woodwork, man. The people you ain't seen in years come yeah. to vote that people had got to come vote. I thought it was the most ridiculous thing i ever seen that in my life. That wasn't that Sunday I was gone. No, it Sunday. wasn't here. It, it wasn't here. I'm not going to tell you where it was at, but but um, that was an interesting night. I was embarrassed, and 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 I thought how there was more people there on that Sunday night. There probably was combined the, the last two Sunday mornings. Yeah, that's a shame. And that is a shame. Mm -hmm. And they were yep. members who ain't graced the door in in years. I think uh, just a moment ago, you were about to move to the moving part. Yeah, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on moving. That's just emotional stress of moving your family. Your kids got to pick, pick up and go to another school, leave their friends. Uh, your wife's got to find another job. She's got to leave her friends, too, and, and end up working in another school that's going to be emotional stress for her because they do things differently. And, and the kids have got to suffer through that. That's, that's, a, that's an emotional stress on its own. And I know that you guys – moved your kids here and there. And then that's a lot of similarities to that. I don't think we realized how, how much our moves affected our kids until we did that podcast with them. And then, mm. I mean, we knew that it did, but we didn't understand necessarily really how much it did. Yeah. And they were able to put it in their own words, which was, it, it framed our perspective from, from what they said. And it really makes a difference. It mm. does. Yeah. But pastors are going to move. Yeah, Coaches are going to move. It's too. part of it. It's part of it. Well, tell us more about the uncontrollable aspect of the emotional stress. Yeah, I've, I've 
there's things that you can control and there's things that's not in your control. And I've thought about this uh, when I was asked to do this with y'all. Um, and I was thought of an example as if pastoring, it would be like, I'm OCD when it comes to baseball, you know, and stuff like that. Most baseball players are. I yeah. Think. And, and I can't control what our lock, our size of our locker room. I can't control the way our dugouts look. I mean, to an extent, I, I can't control our hitting facility and I can't control our budget, you know, and I, I, there's things I don't have control over that I stress about, but there's really no need in it. I, I was thinking about pastors and I, I was thinking about Bro Lloyd's wedding at Metalwood to where my mom and dad go. And, and there's kids running up and down the aisle during service going to the bathroom. And I'm like, you, and I'm like, that would stress me out so bad if I'm up there trying to preach, but, but you can't control that. Hey, you know, that's, that's, that's part of the uncontrollable uh, things. You can't control the way the parking lot's laid out. And, and this and that, you I mean, those things are uncontrollable things. And you just got to understand there's some things you control and sometimes you can't, you got to figure out how to separate it. Yes, sir. But you could do like that pastor in Tennessee and tell the lady, the ushers, hey, get that lady. I can't preach with, uh, with that crying going on. Uh, Did y'all see that? Oh, man. Did you see it? I didn't see it, but no. I didn't feel that way. But what probably. happened? Tell us about oh, it. Oh, I mean, this is just like two, <laughs> two or three weeks ago. Yeah. The, uh, pastor got up to preach and a baby started crying and he stood up there and he said, Hey, ushers, if you would, would you show this lady and her child where the, uh, where the, <laughs> where, facilities, the door is. where the, where the facilities, <laughs> right. the childcare facilities yeah. are, or the nursery. I, I, won't be, I can't, I just can't work through that. I would never do that. Uh, I know you wouldn't. I'm glad I've been, I, glad I've I'm been not in a church before though. that did not have any children. Uh, that's right. You that's want true. churches with children. You want yeah. churches with children. Right. Well, man, let's move on. Let's talk about the traditional arrogance <laughs> and maybe how that leads to stress. Traditional arrogance is what I what I deem is not wanting to change or conform to. If I go in and I've done this, I went into a school and in 1994, they built a brand new baseball field and the wall was green the entire time. And it's always been green, probably will always be green, but I wanted to paint it blue. Blue's nice. Blue, yeah. it well, our colors were, were blue and white. And I wanted to paint it blue and put a white trim. And they just, it's been green since 1994. And that's the way it was going to be because the first coach who did that wanted it green and we're going to do it that way. And I'm like, and I've tried to fight it. And they said, well, you know, it's going to be this, and it's going to be that, $8,000 to paint. Yeah, well, it's stained on it. So you're going to have to strip it or, or put a primer over it and then re and then restain it, which I was fine with. We had the money. It wasn't a big deal, but I was just getting a run around. I'm like, well, yeah. it, ain't, it ain't worth it. Ain't it worth it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. Just leave it green. But to me, to me going in, if you made a physical change like that, then it would show it shows that there's a change in command. Sure. Without saying there's a change in command. Sure. Yeah. And because people see it. And and that's what I was trying to get to is there's a there's another presence here where it's going to be different. And um, Thomas, what do you think about that? Doing something for a to show there's there's a change in leadership here. What's something that might happen in a church that would be like that? I know one thing that jumps in my mind right now. Uh, maybe maybe the new thing that's going to and I'm a I'm a pulpit guy, but there might be somebody who comes in and says, you know what? Um, I'm going to preach from a podium. I'm going to preach from a stand. I'm going to preach seated. I'm going to do something like that. Maybe some of that is strictly for to show there's a change in leadership. Here. Could be just as simple as the pastor who says, well, the the pastor before me 
always wore a suit and a tie and I'm not going to wear a suit and a tie. I don't, I don't like wearing ties. And so, and so they're, they're trying to distinguish them from the Absolutely. former leadership and yep. it might not be anything with the facility. It may just be something with their person and the way they carry themselves in contrast to the former leadership. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That was a time with my dad where, they wanted to change taking up offering toward the end of the service because, but we're not going to, we're not going to do that because we've always took it up right after song service and then right before preaching, I guess, in between. And, uh, we've always done it this way, you know, and so we're not going to change. I'm like, oh, you know, petty stuff, but it's traditional. I say traditional arrogance. It's traditional arrogance where people may not want to change. I also had a pastor who, who put a screen up on the stage with him. We didn't have a screen backdrop and he put his messages in PowerPoint up on the screen. And the you would have thought, you would have thought that he, that was the same passion that they had to vote on. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. the reason why. And, 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 but now and, I understand it. And, and he, I would have voted him out too. And, but not, and we had, joking. we had tradition. Yeah, I know it. we had traditional, you know, Southern country, Southern hymns in our song books. And he, we would introduce some praise and worship songs. And that you would have thought that, we killed every member's dog in that in that church. <laughs> and that outlaw you know? Jesus. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, it's just it was it's so unbelievable. And and you and and we you know when we sit here and we talk about that, but at the same time, it, to me, it goes back to where you fit in and where you don't. It there's a I think there's a place for for that. Not that it's right or that no one's right or no one's wrong, but you may not fit in to a place. And that pastor left, and he's now in. Southeast Louisiana, and he's been there for years and thriving. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and it's, had a place it's, for him. Yeah, that's yep. right. You know, and there was a place for him there to get us over the the controversy. Probably needed to come out. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yep. and and he and he went on. He, he planted a seed and went on his merry way, and we're good. And and you know that church is doing what it does now. You know, and it's fine. Well, Coach, what about the stress of managing a staff? And typically, like, how many how many staff members are on your baseball staff? And kind of walk us through that. I have two. I have two high school assistant coaches, um, and I have, and then and then I have another. My one of my same assistant high school coaches is also the head middle school coach, and he has an and he has an assistant. There's an assistant to the middle school, so I'm over all of them. Um, that is not to me. That is not as stressful. As you might think it is, only because I, I work with good people. Mm-hmm. I have not worked with great people before, and it has been stressful when you ask them to do this and it doesn't get carried out, or it doesn't get carried out the way you want to, and you've got to be point blank with them, yeah, and say you're not doing it the right way, do it this way, and um, or I want you to do it this way, not this way, and they look at you like you're crazy, and and they tend to think it that that you don't think that they can do the job mm. and um and that's not the case it's not the case at all i i just want it done this way because i'm ocd you yeah. know i'm the guy in charge who has the answer for it <laughs> right and um and that that's kind of how i how I approach it but my staff my staff here has been has i've got overwhelming support here with with my staff and it helps to have heath is was a former player of mine so he ex, he knows me and what to expect so I, I nearly have little stress, but other other coaches coming into it could have stress where you've got to deal with those assistant coaches who who may not 
put their time into it. You know, as soon as practice is over with, they're in the truck and they're gone. They don't put extra in it. They don't stay over and maybe mow or drag the field or get the bases up. Or we, I like to go in after practice and talk for five, 10 minutes and say, what do you think about today? What is something that's going on in your mind uh, that we can make some changes on? You know, what do you think about this kid? He looked good today in the outfield. Or he's looking better in the infield. Uh, you know, those things are quite common, you know, but they're not in a lot of, a lot of schools. And and some assistant coaches are not on full board, you know, with the with maybe the head baseball coach because they may be a football guy. Or they, excuse me, they may be a basketball guy, and they didn't maybe didn't play baseball or something. You just got to deal with that. It can be stressful because it 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 makes you feel like everything falls on you now, you know, because if you can't rely on your assistant coaches, your youth yeah. pastors, your music leaders, your your you know, ministry assistants. ministry assistants, then, um, those, those people take a load off of you. And, um, and if you, if you're not getting the production out of them, it can be very stressful. It's true. Well, Thomas, I believe with the uh, interview we've done today that we have established or supported the fact that there are many similarities between pastoring and coaching. And I just want to thank you, Thomas, for inviting one of your church members in here because anytime I'm around a Kasu Thaggy, it is a good, good day. So join us again for our next Ministry Marks podcast.